A few years ago, while visiting the Holy Land, the group I was with went to the church on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, which is said to mark the spot where Jesus appeared for the third time to his disciples, and where he reinstated Peter after his denial of him with the words, Feed my sheep. When we came out of the church, a number of the group went down to sit on the rocks and look out across the Sea of Galilee, while several others who had wandered along the shore had their attention drawn to a rock badger running along a wall. But as I was walking, my attention was drawn to a white dove sitting on the church tower, and immediately my thoughts turned to the image of the Holy Spirit that's so prevalent in our Christian art, that of the dove. And naturally enough, well for me anyway, I tried to capture that nice, peaceful kind of moment. Now I share that story in order to show not only how kind of domesticated, how tame and non-threatening we've made the Holy Spirit, but also to draw attention to what I'm going to say next, which might make us think of the Holy Spirit in a slightly different way. It's said that the Celtic Christians chose not the dove as a symbol of representing the Holy Spirit, but the wild goose, because they felt that was a more appropriate symbol. And if we really think about it, you can kind of see their point. After all, when you hear of the Spirit descending like a heavenly dove, it's easy to imagine fluttering wings, harps softly playing in the background, a sense of peace descending, and a gentle cooing of a message. But the image of the spirit as a wild goose descending upon you, well, that's a different story altogether. It's never happened to me, but I vividly, vividly remember my young cousin being chased by a goose. It snapped at his heels, it flapped its wings, and that, coupled with the noise it made, certainly prompted a quick response from him. Someone once said, this image of the Holy Spirit as a wild goose can jar us out of our complacency because sometimes we need such an image to correct our overly safe and overly sweet image of the Spirit. When you think about it, whenever the Spirit is spoken of in Scripture, the encounter doesn't always seem to be sweet or safe. In Genesis, the Spirit is bringing order out of chaos. In fact, throughout scripture, we read of God's spirit calling the prophets to speak to Israel in words that were bold and sometimes dangerous, but necessary to bring order to chaos. The spirit prompted certain judges, warriors and kings to do things that they felt they were not capable of undertaking. Like Gideon, who could perhaps be seen as the weakest link in the weakest clan, he was the youngest, he had no authority, and when we first encounter him in scripture, Gideon is not exactly a picture of strength and courage. Basically, he's hiding. And he's more than a bit annoyed at God for not protecting his people. But God saw beyond all that, he saw the man who could and would protect the people from the nomadic tribes who were swooping in at the harvest times and stealing their crops, destroying what they couldn't carry, killing the livestock and leaving the Israelites struggling to feed their families. And so Gideon is charged to do certain things, to come out of hiding and to stand up for the Lord in public ways, to remind the people about the God they had turned their backs on and to put their trust in him again. The image of the flapping wings and the snapping at heels of the wild goose seems to quite be quite apt in Gideon's story. 
because it took quite a bit of prompting for Gideon to see himself as God saw him and for him to respond and put his trust in God. When we read of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, yes, we hear about the image of the dove, but we also hear these words from John the Baptist, who's dressed in camel's hair and eating wild locusts. I baptise you with water, but he who comes after me will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And that doesn't exactly sound safe and sweet. There's a hint of unpredictability, an element of danger even that's evident in that description. And those are some of the elements that are there when Jesus preached his first sermon and quoted Isaiah saying, For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of God's favour. These were revolutionary words because not everyone wants the status quo to be rocked or disrupted. And for some who heard them, those were blasphemous words because they were words Jesus was applying to himself. This image of the Holy Spirit as wild goose is useful because it reminds us that the Spirit of God cannot be tamed or contained. It reminds us when it comes to God to expect the unexpected. It reminds us that the Spirit doesn't always flutter quietly and gracefully into our lives, cooing a gentle message. Sometimes the Spirit arrives with speed and noise, demanding to be heard. The Spirit of God does not come into our world to preserve the status quo, but to bring order out of chaos. God's Spirit insists that wrongs must be righted, that injustice must be confronted, that the good news be shared. This week, the Church of Scotland is meeting in General Assembly. This week, many more of our churches will have opened the doors to their buildings again, ours included. So does this image of the Spirit as a wild goose have anything to teach us as a church at this time? A time when many concerns within the church have been brought to the fore because of the pandemic. So we're confronting them much quicker than many anticipated. Things like numbers of ministries the church can support, finance, restructuring, the church's place and role in our communities to name but a few. And they are big concerns. So perhaps we start with an important observation about the wild goose. It is one of the most communal of creatures. It's a reminder to us that God's spirit is not a spirit of individualism, but community, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's worth reminding ourselves that the earliest testimony of the earliest Christians and of Christians down through the ages is that the Spirit brings community. That was the primary message of the Pentecost story we heard earlier. The, the Holy Spirit brings people together to support and travel life's journey with each other. In 1972, Dr. Robert McNeish of Baltimore wrote an item called Lessons from the Geese. It was based on his observations of the behaviour of wild geese and he suggested that from geese there are five lessons about being community, about quality of relationship that we can learn and he based them on the following five observations and the first is that flying in the V formation that geese do gives them over 70% increase in flying range with flapping wings creating an updraft for the bird following. Flying, he observed, 
is most definitely a community activity. The second is that the lead goose in the bee formation does not, of course, experience this updraft and so tires faster than the others. And when the lead goose tires, it rotates back into the formation and another goose takes over the lead. Third is that when a goose falls out of the formation, it feels the drag and resistance of flying alone and quickly gets back into the formation. Fourth, when a wild goose is sick or wounded or shot down, two others follow it to help and protect it until it recovers or dies, while the others continue to fly on. And when the goose recovers or dies, a new formation is created, heading in the same direction as the first. And fifth, when geese are flying in formation, those flying behind honk to encourage those in front to keep up speed. So what do we, the church, learn from wild geese about being a community? Well, first we learn that people who share a common vision travel much further and get there much more quickly and easily. It's about gathering together and working together and supporting one another as we journey. It's about recognising we should all be heading in the same direction, all going the same way with the same purpose, to share the good news of Jesus with others and invite others to join us on the journey. And second, from the wild geese, we learn basic community relationship lessons like it pays to take turns in doing tasks and share responsibilities, that it's not all up to one or two people. And this is particularly important for us as a church at this time as we look for people to take on the roles of session clerk and treasurer in the coming year. Third, that we should accept help from and give help to those we journey with. And fourth, that we should stand by each other in the difficult times. We all know there are some things we cannot fix, but we can stop and be there to share the pain. And finally, we should make sure our honking is encouraging. Otherwise, it's just distracting and sometimes destructive. William Barclay wrote, it's easy to laugh at men's ideals. It's easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers, but we have a Christian duty to encourage one another. Many a time a word of praise or thanks or appreciation or cheer has kept a person on their feet. Blessed is the one who speaks such a word. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish theologian and philosopher, was pretty gloomy and pessimistic about the church of his day. And he told a parable about a wild goose who went to live with some tame geese. That wild goose intended to liberate the domesticated geese from their barnyard life of mediocrity, where their food was rich and life was easy. But sadly, the wild goose came to like the barnyard life. He came to enjoy the rich food of the domesticated geese. And every year, the wild geese would fly over and honk and fly, and he would flutter his wings and resolve to rejoin them. But he never did, finally becoming so content that he forgot that he was wild. Deep within the heart of every Christian is the knowledge that we are not made for staying behind closed doors for fear. We're not made for barnyard life, but rather we were made for flying high. And for those who think they might weary, Isaiah tells us, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. 
and it doesn't matter how we hear the spirits prodding to do that be it a still small voice or an unease of our own spirit or a conviction that just won't go away or a loud blasting no way you're going to miss this honk it only matters that we heed it 